Shifting Consciously, a podcast created to help us remember who we are, divine beings of love and light, having a human experience, a platform for individuals interested in exploring the possibilities of living a life in alignment with what is highest and best in their own lives, and by doing so, making a difference in the world. Hello, I'm Karen Bowen. Welcome to the fifth episode of Shifting Consciously, a podcast dedicated to honest, responsible, and present dialogue where issues of the mind and heart are discussed in a way to help one another consciously co-create. We will be looking at our beliefs, habits, and strategies and explore which service and which need to be discarded. And of course, we will be examining alternatives to our current ways so we can live happier lives on a healthier planet, where we remind each other of the choices present in our lives and how to make them conscious choices. Today we are continuing our discussion of perceptions, which will include how to handle judgments from others, social media's impact, raising kids with expectations and boundaries, and using new assumptions to change. Hello, this is Kate. I'm Erica. I'm Dave. And I'm Karen. So, Erica. Oh my gosh, are you guys, yeah. this is yes. so long to sit and listen. I'm Thank sorry. you for training me and listening. No, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So I have, no, thank you. I have so much to say about this because I'm sitting here going, wait, wait, wait. The goal is empower the student by modeling how not empowered we're making the staff. We're showing that they don't have any power and we're going to teach the kids to be empowered. I mean, that's absurd to me. So it leads me to this question, which is, Where did we as adults ever lose our confidence in ourselves to be empowered? Because I'll tell you something, I've got a six and a half year old and a four year old, almost five year old at home. We have never enrolled them in the public schools. And that's why, because I see through all of this BS because I have clients in the public school system. And I think, heck no, we're not going there. And not just for that reason, but because I don't want And Jeremy does not want the end goal for our children to start in alignment with their higher selves, to be told that all of that is wrong and to not be guided on that path so that later on in life, they can pay for a whole lot of therapy to get that back. So we're like, no, thank you. So we did Montessori and we're now doing Waldorf. And yes, it means a lot of concessions on our end to do that. But we stepped out of the box of society and said, no. Similarly, we wouldn't have had the confidence to do that for our children, except that you worked in the schools where you felt not empowered. And I worked in a job where my leader came to me after a meeting and said, you know, I don't want you to go in and say this to this family. And, and it, was an, it was a comment I made about how I was training the staff in something, how I was mentoring the staff, which I was doing. And she made it known that I was not to act as a singular, as somebody who had knowledge. And I wasn't doing it because I felt powerful. I was doing it because I truly cared about the people I was mentoring. And I didn't see myself as having a power trip. And when she said that, I went, what's going on here? Who has a problem with this? Certainly you do. And I went to each of my colleagues because I wasn't afraid to have that conversation. And I said, person A, I understand that I spoke like this in the meeting. Did you have a problem with that? Help me understand if I'm viewing this differently. No, I love that you help and guide me. Thank you. Person B, I understand I said this this way. 
I didn't mean any offense by this. Here's what I meant. Please help me understand. I didn't even notice that you said that. So here this leader has told me what I am not allowed to be doing. And she was the only one in the end who had a problem. And guess what? That was the catalyst for me to go. I'm not going to be here because I can't operate in a place where you are making me small. And I am not trying to be ego big. I am trying to serve. And so I walked away. But because I have faith in myself and I walk away from things that no longer serve me, I am also unwilling to put my kids in positions where they are in a place where they are not going to be served in their highest and best way. Very good point. Yeah. So when do we say yes to ourselves and no to the stuff? Well, I have to say one thing that I have experienced, and I have a lot of neighbors who are homeschooling their kids, okay? Years ago, uh, one of my friends at church, her son, and they are in Thienesville, so this is not a bad school system by any means, okay? In Thienesville, she came to me and she said, I'm really concerned about my son. Uh, She said he comes home crying every day. Now, at the time, he was 14 years old, okay? And I said, well, what's the problem? Well, the jocks beat him up every day. And they, they just are cruel. They humiliate him because he's a geek like his dad. His dad's in IT. And she said, he wants to be homeschooled. And I said, done homeschooling. You know, and she's, well, I don't know if that's good. You know, he should be socialized. And so the next week, she came back to me and she said, what should I do about him? And I said, you need to take your son out of that school or he'll kill himself. Something will happen. Because he's so depressed. I said, for a 14-year-old boy, and I knew the boy. I mean, he came to church. I knew him. He was a very good boy. And I said, for a boy to come home every day crying, that's big. Okay, so she did. She took him out of school. She homeschooled him. Now, his sister, who's two years younger, had no problem. She fit right into the school system. This boy, because his mother was courageous enough to yank him out, got his doctorate. Mm. He's very powerful, very well. Let's just say he's successful on many, many levels, okay? But I think it's important for us to recognize things that are happening in the society and decide what can we do. Richard's friend, Rachel, has six children, and the oldest one is 10, and she's homeschooling all her children. She refuses to send them to public school. And I understand why. And, And here's the question I have for you. Why and when did this change? And and I just want to throw some things out. One of the things that I've noticed, and so I've been working in this field for 20 years, okay? A little bit more than 20 years, actually. And when I first started, I didn't notice that much of this. Okay, so we're talking 2000, 1999 is actually when I started. I didn't notice that much of it. But then it started to creep in. I started to notice. Now, it could have been happening before that. Okay. In fact, I remember when I worked at Ford Motor Company, I was the only female trainer. And I would have mostly men in my classes, and there were usually 35 or 40 people. And, and they were all supervisors, foremen. They were from all different parts of Ford Motor Company, you know, and managers and everything. The majority of the time, they were respectful, were there to learn because, you know, they had to learn these supervisory skills. Once in a while, you'd have a guy that liked to pick on me because I was a girl and would say some rude things, you know, and try to humiliate me or try to, you know, try to maybe make me feel less than or something. But fortunately, I was strong enough back then to give them what they gave me. And usually they shut up real quick. <laughs> but 
What I want to know is, I don't remember, and you're right, David, I remember high school, and I remember problem children, okay? And I was kicked, hey, I was kicked out of geometry because I, my, my teacher's name was Chickarelli, and I said, Chicka, Chicka, Chickarelli, and he kicked me out. I mean, that's all it took, Chicka, Chicka, Chickarelli, and I was out, to, and I had to wait in the hallway and look out the door, in the door. So that happened, but not on the scale that I'm seeing now, but also I'm thinking about just general, general society. Back then, you didn't see children going nuts. I mean, you would never see a child go into a restaurant and jump up on the table. Not often. Yeah. And if you I did, mean, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't see that. Okay. Now, I, I, I've talked to people in restaurants. I've talked to parents. I always stop and thank parents who have well-behaved children because I know how much it takes to do that. But I've often talked to staff because I'll see a kid get up on the seat, get up on the table, jump around. And I think, okay, the kid falls off. And who are you going to blame? You you didn't have that level of disrespect back then. And I I don't have an answer. I guess one observation I, I, I can make is, Social media has played a huge role, in my opinion, on shifting that from an energy perspective because, sure, somebody can reply to you and, and say something, but that's not really holding somebody accountable. It's different. If I say, if I'm face-to-face with you, I can see you. I can see your body language, your facial expressions. I can feel your energy. I can. There's a lot more accountability in, in, in that in exchange, and, and maybe I'm going to think more carefully. Maybe I'm going to be more aware of how I'm talking and what I'm saying. I don't know many people that would walk into a room of a thousand people and call them names or insult them or something. Yet, every not everybody, so many people go on Facebook and post something incendiary with a thousand of the people that are following them with no concept of how, or, or apparently care of how they're going to react. They would never do it in person, but yet they feel empowered to well, do that. Well, now, let's think There's about, no accountability there from an energy perspective. Well, let's think about that, because that has happened with our current administration. I mean, Trump started that at his rallies. You could say anything, you could do anything, he could tell, you know, go beat him up and I'll pay your legal fees. It started long before that, though. But, but what I'm, yeah, but what I'm saying is, it seems to be heightening. So where did it begin... For us to believe now it's on the national level before it wasn't national level okay think about it think about the bushes think about clinton think about the presidents before that so it has been getting worse but where did it start okay and i think you're right i think social media has a lot to do with it i think digital because i think children getting a screen so early in life remember one point is focused and the rest atrophy so there's a lot of socialization that's not happening because the child has screen time too much but is there something else going on think about your parents think about your aunts and uncles think about that and what was you know through the years i mean i'm thinking right now i have relatives that have children and i see how they're behaving and the problems these relatives have one family doesn't seem to have any disciplinary problems. The other family has tremendous disciplinary problems, okay? Now, what's the difference? Why is one family, you know, everybody's kind of just doing what they need to do. The other families, 
well, off their rockers. Well, I mean, part of it is it. it, it I mean, part of it's part of journey. It, it it has to be happening. Why does why does it happen to one one group and not another? Well, that's part of the journey. Maybe it has to happen for them. It's an education then. Well, I, I mean, it I, has to be an it education. Has, it has to be right. I mean, it. It's, yeah, because don't forget the parents who are not teaching their children discipline will end up with undisciplined children. See, that's the thing that. This is what always gets me because the parents are creating this by not setting boundaries and keeping them. And then they want the school system to correct it or they want a therapist to correct it. Well, they want the school system to correct it, but they don't. But they don't because when the school system corrects it, they come in and correct the school system. And that is being allowed too. So I think there is a total divestment in self-responsibility from the smallest to the largest scale. And there is... There are reasons on the left and the right, and there are things that are happening on both sides of the political spectrum that are, you know, there's this thing on the left about, like I was talking about, oh, well, we can't, it has, you have to be nice, and you can't, you got to let them do whatever they want, and they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out, and on the right, it's this, you know, misogynistic and horrible you know, treatment, like racist kind of treatment and degrading. I, I mean, both sides, I think, have an agenda that is part of the drama of we, no one wants to claim the little, um, what do they call it in Harry Potter? The, find the little, <laughs> little ball that's running around. The yeah, snitch, the snitch. The snitch. The golden snitch. The responsibility. No one wants to take it. And it's right there. And when anyone who does, See, it makes sense to me that people are lashing out at you, Karen, and that they're lashing out, at they, you know, in education, they lashed out at me. In your job, they lashed out at you um, because, because anyone who takes responsibility or who suggests that someone else might need to do that to, to, to uh, learn and to grow and to become, you know, the most amazing person that they, they already are is, well, that's scary because if someone looks at that who's not taking responsibility all life, all their life, or who, who thought, oh, well, when I grow up, I don't have to take responsibility, or who whatever, that's very, very scary to them to have to look at that and go, wow, I've never done that. I've never taken responsibility. Well, you can't either. That's not okay. And so I, I really think the thing that we're seeing on the smallest scale is with an individual, we see also with the earth. And um, why, why and when it happened, I don't know, but I... I do know that, um, to me, that is that is what scares me about the news. It's what scares me about agendas because I'll hear things and I'll go, "That doesn't resonate with me. That doesn't make any sense." These words, you know, like that that saying, "Your actions are so loud, I don't hear a thing you're saying." That's what I feel. I'm like, "What you're doing is so opposite of what you're saying." It's doublespeak. I mean, it's George Orwell. I mean, it's exactly, and and that's where I feel like we are um, as a society. And so this these conversations I think are so important because they help us to cleanse and go, okay, it's all right if when I hear and feel these things in my job, in my relationships, and it doesn't resonate with me, it's all right. I'm okay. I'm not going nuts, and um, I need to remember that I can always be authentic. And I still, as an authentic being, I, if I can get there, if I can get there and take self-responsibility, if I can do that and be a model, that's the best thing I can do. And um, that's the bottom line. So to that point, when you say, where did this start? And I look at child rearing practices and discipline 
and the word fanatical comes to mind. We swung from children are to be seen and not heard, spanking your kids and giving a good whooping because they acted out of line, to swinging way to the empowerment, let's, you know, treat them with all the love and respect that they deserve, they're sovereign beings, they deserve to be themselves. But somewhere in there, we lost the middle ground, which is that spanking was a form of discipline. It wasn't super effective, maybe, right? We maybe have learned and grown from that place, but letting kids run free with no boundaries isn't love and discipline either. So when you bring it back to the middle, it's how do we offer you love and guidance and support and that line of responsibility. So when you say it comes back to turning the finger towards oneself and Kids aren't going to be able to do that unless they have a good example. We don't have adults these days who are operating from a place of how did I create this? How am I responsible for this? And I think because we've lost touch with it, you just have a lot of misguided people out there all out for themselves. And so we we are thick in the I, right? We're thick in the victim or persecutor role or the rescuer role, but we're not thinking about how ourselves are impacting the whole or how there's this side of the agenda and that side or this side of the equation and that side. Well, and everybody, when everybody seems to be more worried about the other person, to your point, right? Instead of focusing on yourself, what can I do differently? It's always pointing the finger at this group or this person, this. And, you know, you mentioned, um, I, I guess, I, I think assumptions I think there's too many assumptions going on. I think assumptions are dangerous because in reality, even the, I agree the pendulum is swinging to from extremes. I think most people aren't on the fringe end, uh, the the friend, yeah, <laughs> fringe, yeah, fringe fringe end ends. Yeah. But yet that's the focus, yeah. right? The the fact is, you, you know, even the assumptions were. The word racism is thrown around way too much, right? The fact is most conservatives or Republicans are not racist. But that's what you hear. That's all you hear because that's the focus. The fact is most people that are on the Democratic or liberal, they, they don't, they don't, they're not, they don't hate America. They don't hate, <laughs> they don't hate, but yet that's what's spun because everybody's focused on the ends, the ends. So when the pendulum swings, it goes extreme opposite. And now, why is that? I mean, I, I don't know the answer, but if we're talking about energy, we're talking about evolving, it's obviously happening for a reason, right? I don't want to turn, I, these discussions to me aren't, aren't about politics, right? This is about how we live spiritually, how it's tied to energy, how it's tied to our higher selves, and how we're evolving as a society. Um, but I, I don't know how to stop the pendulum from swinging so severe, but it's happening for a reason. Right, and I think it's for us to wake up and I will and I will disagree with you for a couple of things. First of all, yeah, we're not about politics, but politics is part of our lives and we have to look at it. And it is part of the swinging of the pendulum. But I think the thing that's really changed now that I think about this is personal responsibility of the parents. When I was a child, if I got into trouble, my mother did not take responsibility for that. She was angry. She was upset 
because of the way the, the family or the neighbors might look upon her as a mother, not being able to control her daughter, okay? But she never took responsibility or tried to fix it for me. She let me be responsible and take whatever consequences came to me. And I'm thinking about my my sisters that were younger than me, and that's pretty much the way both of my parents were. They took personal responsibility for their lives, okay? What I see happening now, and I, I think you all have seen this, look at COVID. Everybody's pointing fingers. Everybody's blaming everyone else. I was talking to a man who I believe is a very intelligent man, and, and he's hasn't had a haircut since March, and he refuses to go anywhere. He, he refuses to go anywhere. He won't even go fishing because where he goes fishing, they don't wear masks. But anyway, I said to him, I said, Michael, it's airborne. He said, yeah. I said, Michael, it's airborne. He said, yeah. He said, if you're with somebody, it's airborne. It comes out of their mouth. I said, Michael, it's airborne. <laughs> it's atmospheric. Well, no, no, you have to be in the presence of people. I said, Michael, how did it get to the farthest reaches of the planet? How did it get to these tiny villages in Bolivia and Venezuela and Africa? I said, it's airborne. I said, the scientists that say it's airborne, they explain it's on, you know, it's the atmosphere running around the earth. It's coming with pollution and everything. It's not water. Water doesn't support it. And he looked at me and he said, no, it's human contact. And I said, okay. I realized that there was nothing I could say, but why I'm saying this is he wanted something to blame. Okay. He wanted to look outside himself and not take responsibility for anything. And the, my concern is that that's what I see us doing. Mm. I see both parties, everybody in the political field doing that. I see that in the religious field. I see it in the racial thing. Everybody wants to point fingers at somebody else instead of saying, okay, like you said, how did I create this? What is this about me? What am I supposed to learn from this? Okay, because as we grow in grace and consciousness, if we don't take 100% responsibility for everything we created in our lives, we're missing the boat. And assumptions can be bad because we are assuming something that's not serving us. But assumptions actually run our lives. If you assume that black people are bad, you're going to keep recreating that in your life. You're going to draw that because life is saying, hello, this is your mirror. Is this what you want to keep creating? Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's not a punishment. It's mere, literally sure. a mirror. Okay. Sure. So, but if I assume, if I change my assumption, I go, okay, wait a minute. If, if I, what I see out there in the population is people not taking responsibility, how can I change my assumption and I can start to see, look for where they are taking responsibility? Now that would change my life, but mm -hmm. then it would also change the way I look at other people. Yeah, you're shifting the focus away from Changing the negative to the... consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because remember, the yeah. only way we change is by changing consciousness. And this is one thing that I've been reading in Neville's book. And I think, think about this for a minute. We've all taken chemistry, right? Yes. Everybody taking chemistry? A long time ago. A long time a long ago. It's, it's all right. Do but but we do know time. that everything's made up of molecules and atoms and neutrons and protons, right? We all agree with that. Everything. Everything is made up of that. Agreed. The water's made up of that. The door's made up of that. You're made up of that. I'm made up of that. I'm Everything up. is made up of the same substance. 
but in different combinations, it comes out differently. And what Neville says is that's what our assumptions do. Our assumptions takes that force of consciousness and molds it into an experience, whether it be a physical body or a relationship experience. So now think about this. If the four of us, see, this is what I like about this mastermind group. If the four of us say, hey, you know what? Let's change our assumptions. Let's come up with an assumption that we can really hold on to and feel the feelings of it. Maybe an assumption like we're going to look at people differently. We're going to start looking at what's good about them, where they are taking responsibility. We're going to look at our politics, both sides, every side, and say, okay, where are they doing good? Let me look, let me just ignore where they're not, but let me just look for the good and assume, because that's the other thing, I think we've talked about this maybe a long time ago. There's a course called Appreciative Inquiry. And it was started by Dr. David Cooperwriter, and he teaches it at Case Western. And he started this whole big curriculum. You can get a master's degree in this. Appreciative coaching is this. Instead of problem solving, which I know you love, David, (laughs) instead of problem solving, in appreciative coaching, you look for what's working. And by looking at what's working, you create more of what's working until what's not working falls away. So this is what assumptions can do. Instead of us assuming that there's a problem, which we do, maybe we can start assuming that, ah, let's look for the good. This is really happening for a good reason. This is happening for a cultural civilization switch. We, yes, we went from here to here, and maybe we all need to think about how to get to a place that works for everybody. Well, and also assuming intent, right? I mean, I, a person, my uh, previous manager always used to tell me and tell the team when we had, we're struggling with other teams at the company, you know, just assume good intent. You don't know what the other person is thinking. You don't, you know, if you project onto, onto them what you think, you, you're, you're nine times out of 10 going to be wrong. So assume a good intent. And I think too many people, and that's part of the comment I made about the assumptions, too many people assume that they know the other person. They know why the other person is, you don't know their past. You don't know why they are where they are. doesn't mean you have to agree, but you can, you can at least honor it and respect it. And I love it. that. That was a very wise manager. Assume good intent is a great, because that's looking for the good in all things. Mm-hmm. And of course, what's that doing? Keeping our energy rods open Mm -hmm. so that the divine can give us more of that. Perfect. Wonderful. I think to go along with that, when we were doing our art teacher training, Jeremy helped me realize that my role in drama as a rescuer was to rescue myself away from feelings that were difficult to feel. And I think when we look at being appreciative of experiences and seeing the good, perhaps it's difficult for others, not just myself, to sit in something that feels overwhelming or scary and allow it. So when you talk about your friend, Michael, who's ready to point fingers and sit in fear over the virus, he's assuming the worst. He's assuming that he's as good as dead. Right. If he gets caught, if somebody breathes on him. Right. And so then he's allowing that fear or I'm allowing that fear of 
my incapability of handling big emotions or my children's incapability of handling big emotions or my partnership with my spouse's ability to handle conflict. And if we don't allow that and appreciate it and just allow it to come and allow it to go, then we are allowing ourselves to swing back into the place of fear. And so we're assuming that it's bad. And so the current climate of politics or what's going on right now racially or with a virus, if you will, whatever it is, we're assuming that because things look quote unquote bad right now, that that's wrong. And I don't think that that's the correct assumption that we have to go through instability and instability feels unpredictable, but it doesn't have to have the label of bad. And one thing that you said that's really critical is to feel the feeling. Because when a feeling comes up, it's something you've stored for a long time. And the reason it's coming up is it's because it's yours. And if you'll just allow yourself to feel the feeling without going into a story about it, instead of, you know, da da da, this is why I'm feeling so, just feel the feeling, it will dissipate because it's coming up to get out. It wants to be acknowledged. And all you have to say, I'll give you a real quick example of this that happened to me years ago. And it blew me away. This is the first time I ever did this. I felt depressed. And I do not do depression. It, it, depression is not my problem. Okay, I have other things. But I felt really depressed one day. And I couldn't, no matter what I did, meditate, whatever, I couldn't get out of it. And Richard and I were driving to church. And I thought, you know, if I talked to him about it, he could kind of lift me up. He'd say something, you know. Well, everything he said made me more depressed. I mean, it was excruciating. I got to the point where I was literally ready to jump out of the car. And we were at 47th and North. Okay, we were about to get on freeway. And, and then as soon as I realized how deep this depression was, I thought, and I just said to myself, I'm just going to feel this. This is not who I am. And as soon as I said, I'm going to feel this, this is not who I am, it was gone. And I was, ah, wonderful. And he looked at me and he said, what happened to you? And I said, I felt it. It's not who I am. It's gone. He said, you're kidding. I said, no, I, I really felt it. I allowed it to be what it was. I realized that's not who I am. My feelings are not who I am. And it instantly left. So you're right. We have to feel the feelings because if we don't, we escape and we keep swallowing them. And they build. And and find a way to do it where you're offering less resistance. Mm -hmm. That's that's what happens to me, right? I don't do depressed either very often. Um, I'll tend to sit in, if I feel bad, I'll, I'll tend to soak in it for a while, just just, just to be in it. That's my way of releasing it, hmm. as opposed to buying into it. Yeah. You know? You're just allowing. I'm allowing, and I'm allowing to soak it, let it just soak in, and however long it takes, and feel. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel the hurt. It's okay to feel the pain, and then I can move through it. Right. Um. So, so just something I wanted to, to wrap up here to you guys with, um, you know, when, when did this all happen, this shift in responsibility or self-responsibility? And I just think too, when looking at the positive angle or looking at what's possible, what we can assume that's, that's better. I, and I, and I caught myself here just in thinking, oh, thinking about that, but it, there are places in the world 
there are places in the world where education is really valued and where teachers are really valued and where students have an outstanding education and an outstanding, um, they have, their teachers are, are very respected. And so I think uh, if you want to take a look at a country like that, uh, please go investigate Finland. So I, yeah, um, seriously, just, just go take a look at what they're doing in Finland and how, how well their students are doing. Look at how well their students are doing and then look at what they're doing. And, and so it's important, I think, we don't just have to fictionalize it. We don't just have to um, say, you know, oh, just imagine some, something somewhere. I mean, there are, there are things to celebrate and there are places to, and I think, you know, like places out in the world that are doing it. And I think as a group, we can all help to redirect everyone to say, well, check this out or look at this or what if this was happening or what do you think, what do you wonder about with this? Um, how do you think this would look here? How do you think, you know, just getting people to, to, to think about it. Because when I think about what's happened here, it's like this slide, like we don't pay teachers You know, how do we measure value in our country money, right? We don't pay teachers. So how can we value them? How can we, if we're not going to pay them, we don't even, just so you know, maternity leave and paternity leave is gone. Um, that's no longer available to teachers. We have, uh, the same thing, you know, you have the federal allowance to leave, but you don't get paid. It's, and whatever, the point is, as money goes down, value goes down. And I think, I think, of course, like, why, why would we respect them? You know, and just so you know, take a look at this too. You can look this up, but go back and look again at the 1920s. Doctors were not respected and doctors were not paid. Teachers were. There was a, there was a total shift there where the healers, quote unquote, unquote healers were, man, they, they really didn't make anything. And they were seen, they were treated that way. They were treated poorly as well. I mean, doctors had to do kind of what teachers have to do now. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's almost like freeing. Like I, I don't have to walk down the street anymore and think to myself, well, this person's going to think badly of me because I'm a teacher. But just so you know, that's what a lot of teachers feel. So anyway, the point is we don't have to in, envision things that are imaginary either. We can also look to our, our global community and go, who's doing this in other ways? And how are, how are they doing it? Um, and why? And why? And what's happening to make that happen? And and how? Yeah. So so whatever. So I totally agree. This this assumption, even that I have, looking at going, oh, it's never going to happen in my lifetime. It's like, why not? Why why not bring this forward and have this be something where we can go? What would be highest and best for our future as as a humanity and our country? And no, like you said, David, like for the most part, everyone's basically here. And when the political parties realize, when 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 the people realize that we all basically agree the parties are in big trouble right. because the power will be dissolved. <laughs> the power will be completely dissolved and it will be back to the people and, um, and not in two camps. Well, you know, it's fascinating that you should mention Finland, of course, because that's my father's heritage. And I never thought very much of Finland because it's a tiny little country. You know, it's not really part of Scandinavia. Those who think it is, it's not because the Finns are not Scandinavians. They're, they come from the Mongols. But anyway, when I was taking radical forgiveness training, there was a man there, Seppo Malanen from Helsinki. And he and I became friends and we still communicate. 
And he was telling me about the yoga classes he went to. And I looked at him and I said, they got yoga in Finland? I mean, I was totally blown away. And he said, well, of course we have yoga in Finland. I said, in Finland? He said, well, why would you think we wouldn't have yoga classes in Finland? This is where my mind was. This Finland was this tiny little country that was part Mongolian and how would they... (laughs) And then when I started to look at what Finland was doing for their education, you know, they have more playtime mm-hmm. yep. than they have school time mm-hmm. Heck yeah, because baby. they believe playtime is important, but they have structure and boundaries. <laughs> and so, so anyway, wow. Well, we really covered a lot. May I share something to tie this together? Yes. So uh, I'm a fan of Oracle cards. Oracle cards help me organize what my heart has been feeling and wants to communicate. And I did a series uh, four card draw last night that was how to remove a block that I was experiencing. The first question is, what do I perceive as the problem? The card I draw is release. The message that underlies it is, it was me getting in my own way after all. Release the blame of self and others. Then the next question is, what would create breakthrough? And I get vanity, and I'm thinking, how does vanity fit? I must do well with what I've got. Don't wait for better. And then I get what is blocking me. Forgiveness. Can I forgive myself for loving the people who hurt me? And finally, I get what must I do to create, uh, create what I desire, and I get joy. Let's just jump in and see what happens. And so to me, this really summarizes what we've talked about as well, which is allowing everything that is within us to come up and out so that we can stand in what we have with appreciation so that we can issue forgiveness and heal the hurts so that we can step into joy and assuming the feelings of the wishes fulfilled of what we want to manifest. And I think that's such a cool draw. It was just like, Oh, thank you so much. That is what my heart was feeling. So I wanted to share because it was so like bump, 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 bump put together for me. And isn't it wonderful that we're all about divine timing and remembering who we are. And here you are with this perfect way to end this segment. Thank you very much. Everybody feel cool. Yeah. Well, that's all for today. Thank you for joining Shifting Consciously. It is our hope that this podcast will be a means of strengthening community and supporting one another. Feel free to ask questions, share your troubles, celebrate your victories by going to our website, www.shiftingconsciously.com. Then share our podcast with your friends and join us for the next segment, which will be recorded as usual, extemporaneously. Until then, make it a great day and radiate love.